So you're sitting there at the office of the therapist, you and your husband together, and you're bemoaning the, uh, the disrespect and the chutzpah of your child. My son never listens. He always feels separate from the rest of the family. He'll ask questions like, Ma voda hazos lachem? What are you guys doing? Why are you so obsessive? All these details, stop stressing me out. Do you have any recommendations? What can we say to him? What can we do to help him? It's clear that he's hurting. He does have some trauma and you know, there are other things that could be uh, contributing to his behavior. What do you suggest? And the therapist looks at you and your husband and he says, well, he's a Russia. That's clear. And from the fact that he's excluding himself from the community, that means that he's kofer be'ikr. He's rejected all of Torah, clearly. And I think the best response, in my clinical opinion, would be haka yeshinov. Pardon me? What does that mean? To, uh, to blunt his teeth. How? Smack him! It's all right. Smack him, blunt his teeth. And you should tell him that you should know that if you were in Egypt when I was, he would not have been redeemed. And that's a good way of building his self-esteem, right? Knock him down, and then when he's on the floor, kick him again. So your husband is saying, wow, this therapist really knows what he's talking about. And he walks out of the meeting feeling we have a good mahalach, we have a good approach. Hakeyashinov. And uh, you turn to your husband and say, you know what, honey, maybe we'll get a second opinion. Right? We have this, this back and forth in the Haggadah between the father and the Rasha. Ma voda hazos lechem, what is this avoda for you? And the author of the Haggadah feels lechem velolo, clearly is excluding himself. And that means he's kofor be'ikr, and therefore, hake yeshinav, blunt his teeth, and tell him if you would have been in Mitzrayim, you would not have been redeemed. Who is this Russia? And since when do we, do we classify or categorize our children as Rishayim? If the kid's asking a question, and he's being chutzpahdik, and he's excluding himself from the family, there are reasons for that. He's in pain. He's hurting. Deal with him. Uplift him. Isn't that our derech in general? You want to breathe life into those who are broken hearts, into the broken spirits. How does this response to the Russia fit with everything we know about Torah, about Das Torah, about the ways of the Torah are pleasant? What exactly is going on in this dialogue between the father and the Russia? <coughs> Generally, what's our approach to evil? When we see Rishayim, we have friends or family who might be categorized as the Rasha. How do we deal with them? How do we interact with them? The famous Gemara in Brachos and Nafyud, where it says that Remeir was bothered terribly by his neighbors. And they were doing all sorts of bad things to the point where he davened that they should die. Right, so clearly it wasn't just playing loud music past 10 p.m. They were doing really, really inappropriate, really bad things. He davened they should die. 
His wise wife, Bruya, says to her husband, Ma daitcha? What are you thinking? You're going to dove and they should die? The Pasuk doesn't say that. It says, Yutamu chatoyim. It doesn't say chotim. We daven that evil should be abolished from the world. We don't pray that evil people should die. Rather, what should you do, honey? You should daven for them to do tshuva. Daven that they should start doing things correct. So Remeyer did, and Baruch Hashem, they did tshuva. And they're now learning in Kolel and in Yerushalayim. But we see from the Gemara and Brachos, our response to evil is not that we wish it didn't exist, or wish the people didn't exist. Rather, we wish evil itself doesn't exist. But we daven for Rishoyim to do tshuva. We don't say, Hake Yeshinov, blunt their teeth and tell them they're not worthy. A famous piece in the Tanya we've quoted before, where the, the author of the Tanner of Shner Zalman is dealing with the question, when, if ever, is it permissible to have sinna, to have hatred? And the Gemara Psachim speaks about, there are certain times, if you see someone who's doing a hate, he's doing something wrong, and uh, you try to give him tochacha, you try to give him constructive criticism, and he doesn't listen to you, he totally neglects your advice, then you're allowed to have sinna, you're allowed to have hatred. But says the Balatani, you should know, that's only in a case where he's a korov, he's close to you, where you have a chance of actually saying something that could have an impact on him. Your tochacha could be effective. But if you just see someone, and, and in your assessment they're, they're bad people, or they're arrogant, or they're doing things wrong, but you can't really give them tochacha, writes the Balatanya, we have no right to have any sinna whatsoever. To the contrary, the Mishnah and Pirkeiavos of Ohe Vesabrios and Makarvan Latara applies. Love the Brios. Why are they referred to as Brios and not people? Brios means creations. Says the Balatanya, the Mishnah is teaching us that even if someone is acting like a lowly creature, our response is, Ohe Vesabrios, pour on the love, Umakarvin the Torah, and through the love, you'll bring them close to Torah. Don't shun them, don't reject them, don't call them names. Ohe Vesabrios, just love them, and that will bring them close to Torah. But then he goes on further. And he says, even someone who you do have a real relationship with, and you have tried tactfully to give Tochacha, but still they don't listen to you, they don't heed your advice, they ignore you. What do you do then? So then it's true. The mitzvah lisnosam, there's a mitzvah to have hatred. However, mitzvah lo'ohavam gam came. But it's also a mitzvah to love them. Vishtehen hein emis, they're both true. I have a hatred because of the evil within you. But I still need to have that love based on the good, the intrinsic good that's within you. You're in the Shama Tahora. It's that godly divine spark within them. 
that breathes life into their, their godly neshama. Now what happens when you have both sinna and ava towards somebody? If I'm doing it in the right way. Says the Balatanya, Varachmanes Mivateles Hasina. What will happen is the love will nullify the hatred, Umoreres Haava, and it will awaken those deep, infinite wellsprings of love. So even though I've given you Tochaka and you're not listening, and you're continuing to do things that are detrimental to yourself and others, okay, mitzvah is snowsome. I should hate that behavior, but I have to keep on loving you because of who you are, that intrinsic good that might be buried deep inside you, but I know it's there. So the Gemara in Brachas is telling us, we daven for Rishoyim, they should do tshuva. The Balatanya is telling us that even if I'm allowed to hate you, I also need to love you, and that love should eventually overwhelm the sinner. One more source is based on a, a beautiful letter. <clears throat> Give us some guidance how to deal with people who might be categorized as Rishayim. This letter goes back to 1908, authored by Rav Avram Yitzchak HaKohen Cook. And this gets into a whole massive debate that was raging in the early 20th century with the, the establishment of Eretz Yisrael, and you had many young men and women who were Zionists, and they were secular, oftentimes anti-religious, but they wanted to build a homeland. They wanted to, to make Aliyah, and to drain the swamps, and to plant vineyards, and to rebuild Israel, to have a nation, to have a place we call home. The big question was, how do we deal with these young men and women? They're idealistic, they mean well, but oftentimes they were so vehemently opposed to anything that had to do with Torah. So Rav Cook gets a letter asking his advice. How do we deal with them? What should we do? I'll share with you a few lines here. Rav Cook writes back, Yedidi, my friend, Hinani Maven Harbe I understand the pain you're going through. It's a difficult situation. But if you take the approach, as many do, to leave these children as hefker, to let them do whatever they want to do, those who have forsaken Torah and Amuna. They've been swept away by the tumultuous time that we live in. If you want to take that approach, let them go ahead and die. Says Reb Cook, I am telling you unequivocally, This is not what a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants. Don't leave them to Hefker. Don't disconnect yourself from them. Don't stop trying to engage them in conversation, to show them that you love them and you respect them as human beings. Lo this is not our approach. Then he explains why. And his explanation seems to echo the words of the Balatanya. 
Haneshama Hapanimis Shel Kedushas Yisrael, the sanctity of Yisrael, that's part of the, the inner makeup of every Jew. Mistereres Bekerev Levovam, Bekaman Midos Tovos Hanimtsos Behem, it's hidden within them. But there are so many beautiful Midos that you'll find within them. And you can't compare them, you can't view them as Rushoyim, who are just following after their animalistic instincts. Without any goal of trying to do the right thing. And that's not who these young men and women are. He says it to encourage his friend who's writing the letter. You should know that as much as you possibly can, help them even physically. Make sure they have food. Make sure they have a parnasa. And then as much as you possibly can, encourage them with words of chizik. Try to inspire them. And don't be concerned that I might say the wrong thing. I might not express the Torah viewpoint in the, in the most accurate way. There's a bris krusa, which means there's a promise. There's a haftacha, that if we say something that comes from the heart, it will have an impact. Sheheim po'olim im ma'at, it might do a lot, it might do a little. Avogam ma'at hu yakar ma'od. But even doing a little bit is extremely precious. Don't push these young people away. This seems to be, these are three sources out of hundreds. The approach has always been So what exactly is going on? Right, sit down, young man, you chutzpanyak. If you would have been there, Hashem probably would have punished you. He would have created an 11th Makkah just to get you because you're unworthy and you don't belong here. That doesn't seem to be the approach. I remember reading a story about the, uh, the Ber Mayim Chaim. The Ber Mayim Chaim, besides being a, a form of ginger ale, you'll find in the tri-state area, he was also one of the massive Hasidic leaders. And he had many illustrious children. And then there was Leibola. Little Label was one of the sons of the Ber Mayim Chaim, who from an early age had absolutely no interest in Torah, in Hasidus. And as he got older, he became an adolescent and a teenager. He would mock his father. He would make fun of the ritual. He would put down whatever was happening in the family. He had no interest and he would express it in the most chutzpahdik way. Label. One of the Talmidim of the Ber Ma'am Chaim was always troubled by this dynamic. And he was always amazed that his Rebbe somehow kept his cool. He didn't lose it. He didn't chastise him in a harsh way. Somehow he went along with it. He would roll with the punches. And he was always curious, how? How do you do it? How do you put up with this, this brazen chutzpah every single day? without literally hakeyashinov. So one day they were walking together and Remeyer said that his Rebbe, the Bermaim Chaim, was speaking about his mishpacha, his own family. 
And then somehow the conversation got to Label. And he started speaking about his son Label in the most glowing terms. His midos, his sincerity, how much potential he has. It was almost as if the Bermaim Chaim was viewing Label in a whole different light. He was seeing a whole different human being than everyone else saw. So Meir finally had the, the courage to ask his Rebbe, how do you keep on doing it? How do you keep on showering the love? And the Bermaim Chaim stopped and he looked his Talmud right directly in the eyes and he said, all I know is one thing. If I'm able to look past his mocking and his, and his, and his hatred towards what we're doing, and if I keep on embracing him and loving him, then Mida Kineged Mida, I know the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu works. Hashem will look past many of our flaws as well. We, we have many labelers all around us and within us. We want HaKadosh Baruch Hu to say, yeah, okay, I see your derelict over here. I see you don't care that much regarding this mitzvah. I see Bein Adam L'Chavero, you're really not so honest sometimes. Okay, we got to work on those things. But I love you, and I want to work with you. It's Mida Kineged Mida. This is the approach to the Russia. What is the Baal Haggadah saying? And the truth is, one of the sad realities of the Haggadah is we have limited time. And Baruch Hashem, there are so many different perushim, so many commentaries out there on every step and every word of the Haggadah. Sometimes the four sons almost become placed on the back burner as like a cute story. I remember myself in the, the Seder that I used to have when I was growing up. So we had, a, we had a cute song in English for the four sons. It said, the father to the children, at the Seder you will dine. You will eat your share of matzah. You will drink four cups of wine. Okay, it's a cute song. It's a cute song. But where do these four sons come from? Right, who exactly is this Russia? So it's really Yerushalmi. Talmud Yerushalmi, Chazal teach us that because there are four different conversations that take place in the Torah, giving us guidance, giving us instruction for how to have a conversation with a child regarding the Yesodos of Amuna, talking about the foundations of our faith, and every conversation we find out of these four there's a slight nuance of a difference. Clearly, says the Yerushalmi, it must be referring to four different types of people. If you take a look at this briefly, the four places in Chumash we have these, these conversations. One is in Veschanan. Parshas Veschanan, Ki Yishalcha bin Chamachar Lemor, when your child will ask you in the future, saying, What are all these different types of mitzvos that Hashem, our God, has commanded you? This is the question of the Chacham. And even though he says, He also seems to be limiting or excluding himself from the community. But most Mepharshim explain, because he says Hashem Elokeinu, clearly he means I'm part of this and I just want to understand on a deeper level the mitzvahs that Hashem gave to you, Klal Yisrael. But I'm part of Klal Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu. So the answer is, V'martil bincha, 
you should tell your son, Avadim Hayinu Lefar B'Mitzrayim, you explain the basic story. That's the question and the answer to the Chacham. Then we have in Parshas Bo three other conversations. We have the Tam, which is a very similar uh, wording as the Chacham. V'hayaki Yishalcha bin Chamachar. When your son will ask you in the future, Lamor asking, Mazos, what is this? In very simple terms, V'amarta a love, you should say to him, B'chozik yad hotzianu Hashemim Mitzrayim, Avim. Hashem took us out with a strong hand. That's the question and the response to the Tom. Then we have no question, just the instruction, the mitzvah of the You should tell your son on that day, explaining to him, It was because of this that Hashem redeemed me when I left Mitzrayim. Then we have the fourth and final conversation, and we'll see if we analyze it carefully, there are a few things that are very different, very unique about the question and the answer of the Rasha. It will be when your children will say, What is this stuff to you? What is this service? What does it mean to you? You should say, Zevach Pesach Hula Hashem, explain to him the mitzvah of the carbon Pesach. So right off the bat, we see these four different conversations taking place between father and son. And there are at least three things that jump out of the page when it comes to the Russia's question and our response to his question. When the Tam and the Chacham are asking their father, it says, Ki Yisholcha Bincha. When your son will ask, She'ela. When it comes to the Rasha, it says, V'haya kiyomru aleichem b'neichem. When your sons will say, not She'ela, but Yomru. That's difference number one. Difference number two is in the question of both the Chacham and the Tam. Ki yishalcha bincha machar leimor. The Torah has the word leimor. Now generally, Lamor is Vayadaber Hashem Moshe Lamor, that Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, and according to the Ramban and others, that's Hashem's way of telling Moshe, I'm giving you this information, Lamor, to pass it on to Klal Yisrael. But what does Lamor mean in a question? Ki Yishalcha Bincha Machar Lamor. It says that for the Tam and the Chacham, but there's no word Lamor regarding the question of the Rasha. Explains the Sifri, the Sifri in Parshas of Eschanan, where Hashem, where Moshe rather is pleading with Hashem, allow me to go to Eretz Yisrael. Veschanan el Hashem be'esahu, lemor be'esahi lemor. What is lemor? Hodieni. Let me know. Inform me. I'm asking a she'ela. I have a question. Hashem, hodieni. Can I go into Eretz Yisrael? And every time we have the word Lamor in a question, explains the Sifri, it means the same thing. Let me know what's the answer. Lamor is missing in the question of the Rasha. And the third and the final difference, which might be the most significant, 
What's the answer given? So when it comes to all other three children, the Amarta Labincha, the Amarta a love, the Higarata Labincha, the Torah is clearly telling us, say this to your son. This should be your answer to him. Regarding the Russia, what does it say? The Amartem. You should say, not Labincha, not a love to him. The Amartem, you should say, Zevach Pesachulashem. Why does it not specify to whom you're giving the answer? So there's no wording of She'ela, there's no word Lamor, and in the answer it doesn't say Labincha or a love, it just says Amartem. So clearly there's something strange going on here with the question of the Russia. Take a look here at number 11. The Maisa Nisim, this is the Haggadah of the Nesivis. And he focuses on the fact that it does not say V'amarta Lubincha or V'amarta Elav, it just says V'amartem. And he says, Muchach Shehatorah Hikpida Shelo Lahashiv Lo Klau. Clearly the Torah is telling us, don't answer him at all. Ke'inyin she'amru, just like we find Ein Meshivan Lapikoris. If you have a heretic and he's trying to, to disprove the Torah, so don't respond. Just like we don't respond to the Apikoris, we don't respond to the Russia. Rather, Rak HaTorah Tzivsa, the Torah is telling us, what do you do when you're encountered by the Russia, whose entire goal is to get you away from the Derech Hashem? He's trying to incite you. He's trying to tell you what you're doing is silly. He's trying to, to make you believe that you're wasting time with all of this Narishkeit. Right? Do, you really, do you really care about all this stuff? How do you respond to a question like that? Explains the Nesivis, we don't respond. There is no answer back. When the Pasuk says, Ve'amartem, so who am I talking to? You should say, Zevach Pesachu Hashem. Who am I saying that to? Perush, Shetomru La'atzmechem. We should tell that to ourselves. Zevach Pesachu Hashem. Why am I talking to myself? This person is asking a chutzpah question. He's trying to, to make me throw away my Torah and my mitzvos. So I don't respond back to him because I can't. You can't say anything to an apikoris. But I have to say something to myself. For what purpose? In order to strengthen our own resolve. In order to make sure that I'm clear and I'm solid and I have my foundations of Torah near Yerushalayim and he can't phase me. That's what it means. I'm not saying anything to him. The way you blunt the teeth of the Russia is through not allowing yourself to get in a back and forth. I don't have to disprove you. I don't have to explain why what I'm doing really makes a lot of sense. And what you're saying is totally off base. I don't have to do that. Shut down the question. Don't give the question the time of day. Why not? Why not try to, to teach him? What's the Russia really saying? When the Yerushalmi explains the question of the Russia, 
It adds in a few words that I think gives us a glimpse into what's really going on. Yerushalmi says, The question of the Russia is, Maha avod hazos lechem? Maha Torah hazeh she'atem matrichem aleinu b'chol shana v'shana? What is all this tircha? All of this hassle? Right, calling up the rabbi, I got the wrong tomato sauce, it has this heksher, but there's no OUP on it. Relax, settle down, there's so much tircha. All the burden you're placing upon us every year. Ma hazos lachem. This is stupidity. Stop wasting your time. That's the question of the Russia. How does the Yushami know that? It's clear from the Pasik. Doesn't say ki Yushalcha bin Chamachar. There's no Sha'ela. It's a statement. There's no word Lamor. Hodiani, tell me. I don't want to hear from you. I'm telling you what I think. And therefore, of Martem, there's no answer to the Russia. It's only an answer to ourselves. There are two types of questions. There's a question where I really want to know more about this particular subject, and therefore I'm asking you because you're proficient. Please teach me. I might not agree with you. I don't have to agree to everything. We're allowed to have a, a robust discussion, and I could argue, and that's all beautiful. And there's a second type of question where I really don't care what you think. And I'm not asking you to somehow elicit your advice. I'm telling you that I think what you're doing is silly. And I'm just placing a question mark at the end of my statement. When someone's asking a real question, we are mechuyev, we are obligated to answer. Teach them, show them, try our best to... to, to to, to portray what Torah really is. Get rid of some of those myths they have. But if someone's not asking a question, then there's no need to respond. Responding is Yatsas Haro Behefseido. We're going to lose more than we're going to gain. He's gaining from it because he feels that now there's a back and forth. By trying to answer a question that's not a question, you're almost granting it some level of credence. That's why we don't have debates. We don't look for other factions of Judaism. Let's sit down and have a whole discussion. Which way is right? Sit down with different religions and we're going to debate. The only time we had those debates in history from great Torah authorities like the Ramban in Barcelona, that's only when there was no other option. It's pretty simple. Would you like to debate Pablo Christianity or should we just kill you and your people? Right? So then we, then we try our best. But we don't look for that. I remember a while ago, and this is not something I recommend, and it, was, uh, it all depends on the person and the situation, but we have a family friend, we go back a long way, and we're sitting together at some family gathering, and she says to me, Rabbi, can I ask you a question? Sure. Is it true that Orthodox men wake up every morning and one of the blessings they recite is, thank you, God, for not making me a woman. Is that true? Now, she has a lot of baggage, a lot of negative experiences with Judaism in general. And based on the relationship, I felt it was okay to respond in the way I did. I said, yes, can you please pass the ketchup? I'm not trying to answer a question. She doesn't care about Rav Hirsch's interpretation of the bracha, the barbanel. 
That's her way of saying, I think your lifestyle is silly. And you have a right to think that. But I don't have an obligation to answer a question that's not a question. What are we saying to ourselves? If ultimately the martem, Zebach Pesachula Hashem, is a speech we're giving to ourselves to strengthen our own resolve. And that means in the entire answer of the Haggadah, where we say, it was only for me, and if you would have been there, you would not have been redeemed, according to the Nesivis, again, that's not addressed to the Russia. That's to ourselves. So let's understand what exactly is that response we're telling ourselves. And I think this is extremely important, because Halakha Maisa, practically speaking, 99.9% .9 of the time, when the child is sitting at her Seder table, or if they're not at the Seder table, and they're asking, They're not the Russia. They're not here just to, to, to take us away from our belief system. They're not the classic Apikoros. Nowadays, we say that people are they don't know any better, and if they have negative feelings, it's not coming from a real source of heresy. It's coming from a family issue. I hate my father and therefore I hate Judaism. Or I was abused or neglected in school or by parents. Or I just, I never got the inspiration I was looking for. Or one of other many, many reasons. So no, we do not have the classic Russia sitting at our table. And by and large, we try. We're Makarev, we love, we daven. We do everything we can to bring the Russia closer. And even according to the classic paradigm of the Russia of the Haggadah, the author of the Haggadah is not saying, shun him, reject him forever. You're still going to daven for him. You're still going to try to be makare of him through love. And you're still going to do everything you possibly can to give him the chizik and the, and the overall feeling of acceptance. The author of the Haggadah is saying, when you have that type of Russia asking this type of question, the best answer is, no answer at all. But what's more Nogeyel Maisa for us, what's more practical, is how do we address ourselves? What exactly is this answer that we're telling ourselves to strengthen the resolve? If it's because I'm hearing it from an outside source, if it's because I'm reading something online that's mocking or making fun of something I hold to be true, or if it's just that nagging voice in the back of my head asking the question of the Russia, why am I doing this? What is the point of all this? How do we respond to ourselves? So we know that the answer of Hashem freed me and if you were there, you would not have been freed. That itself could be very powerful. What are we saying? You're taking the approach or more often, I'm telling myself, I'm having this nagging voice in the back of my head, what is the purpose of this? Why am I stressing myself out? Why do I keep on pushing? Why do I care about all these nuances? The answer is, because that's the core. That's the foundation of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why did Hashem take us out of Mitzrayim? What was the goal of that freedom? The goal was to become a Vadim, to become people who are devoted to a Vodis Hashem. 
where I'm giving everything, I have a mysterious nefesh, I'm giving all of myself to truth. That's avdus. That's real mysterious nefesh. If I didn't have that, then I would never have that relationship with Hashem. I would not have left Mitzrayim. I would not have been deserving to leave Mitzrayim. What we're telling ourselves, and Rav Asher Weiss is a beautiful piece on this in his Haggadah, but according to the Nesivas, what we're telling ourselves is, it's exactly this level of commitment that I'm fully in, and sometimes I might not totally appreciate why I have to be doing it like this. Or why do we care about these nuances or these details? But it's because I'm fully in. Come anything that, that flies my way, curveballs, unexpected things in life, mitzvot that could be challenging, it's Mesiris Nefesh, it's my devotion. That's why we left Mitzrayim. That was the core of our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, and that remains the core of our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu today as well. That's the chizik we're telling ourselves. The, uh, the author of Navardik, Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef Yogel Horitz, he has a beautiful piece in his Sefer, Madrega Sa'adam, where he elaborates on the, uh, the answer given to the question of the Russia. And again, according to the Nesivis, the answer we give ourselves. He says, the Russia, or that voice in our head, is really saying, what's the point of all of this? Not just the nuances of the halachos of Pesach, but why do I have to care so much about my midos? Why do I have to focus so much on, on anger management? Okay. I'm a little rough around the edges. I'll work on it, maybe. Why do we care so much? So the answer is, He says, the foundation of our relationship with Hashem is Hashem says the Klal Yisrael, I remember the chesed that you did for me in your youth. Abbas Kalulo Sayech, the love that we had towards the beginning of our relationship, of our marriage. How did you express that? Lechtech acherai b'midbar. You went after me in the desert. Be'eretz lo in a place that I'll be there hateva. Naturally speaking, there is no way you could have survived. But you followed me. That's why I love you. Explains the author of Nevardik. It took a lot of courage to leave. And we know the vast majority of Jews living in, living in Mitzrayim, they didn't have that courage. When the Russia is asking the question, what is all this to you? What's the point of all of it? And we hear that complaining about the fact that I have to be Mosu Nefesh and so devoted to all of this. We say, It's because of the Mesiris Nefesh. That's the relationship. That's the source of the love. I who was able to give over myself and accept the Gezerah of Hashem. That's why I was freed. If you would have been there, and according to the Tzivis, this means I'm telling myself, if this person would have been here, or if this attitude would have been present, Kigam Shamahai Mefachid Leilich Achard Sivu Hamakum B'midbar, 
you would have been too scared to leave. It's not a shach. We're not trying to say something just to be hurtful. If you would have been there, you would never have been redeemed. It's a reality. With that type of, of attitude of not giving Mesiras Nefesh, then I wouldn't have the strength to go into a Midbar, to go into an Eretz Lo Zerua. I wouldn't have that Bitachon. I would have been afraid. You would have been scared to go. Because you don't want to ever go beyond your comfort zone. You don't want to push yourself. You would have been left in Mitzrayim. That's the answer we have to tell ourselves. Sometimes life does get challenging. Sometimes the Torah itself can be challenging. Oftentimes, that's more our own doing. Famous Marshal of the I love to quote, was the, the, the fellow's getting off the train at the train station, and uh, he's walking on the platform, and the porter is running after him, yelling, Excuse me, sir! Sir, I have your bag over here! I have your bag! And the guy turns around, and he sees this porter schlepping this really heavy suitcase. So he yells back, that's not my bag. No, it is. I saw you take a black attache with, with the pocket in the front. Trust me, it's yours. The guy yells back, no, I know it's not mine. How do you know? Because you wouldn't be schlepping it. Mine wasn't that heavy. Trust me, that's not my luggage. Explains the Chafetz Chaim, when we find ourselves schlepping in Avodah Hashem and we're feeling overly stressed and overly anxious and it's starting to have an impact on the Shalom bias, and they're not doing their part and they're not appreciating me enough and all of the other dynamics that can and will happen this time of year, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Gentlemen, calm down. This is not my baggage, that's your baggage. The ways of the Torah are pleasant. We have to know the guiding principles in halacha, what needs to be done, how to do it, what doesn't need to be done. Oftentimes the stress, though, is our own misunderstanding or association with the Torah. But when we do feel that, and we are having some level of agmas nefesh, it's hard, we tell ourselves, it's because the mesiras nefesh, this is my relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, even when it's not as pleasant, even when I have to push a little bit of beyond my comfort zone, this is what it's all about. This is my way of saying I love you. The Russia in the Haggadah is someone that likely we will never meet. Generally speaking, we have a klal. The Mishnah tells us, Da Masha Toshev Know what to respond to the Apikoris explains the Yaivitz. The Yaivitz was one of the great commentators on Perkyovos. He was actually a Chavrusa of the Abarbanel. The Yaivitz says, it doesn't say ma, it doesn't say da shetoshuv, you should know to respond. It says know what to respond, which means we don't look for those conversations. We have no need, we have no interest in debating people who have their own agenda, who are asking questions that are really statements. And if we can't say anything to them, the best thing we can do and the thing we need to do is say something to ourselves. The Rebbe Nebuchadnezzar and the Chobos Levavos actually says that the mitzvah of Tochacha is I have to stop you from doing something wrong. And if I can't stop you, 
then I have to at least try to tell you to stop yourself. And if you're not listening to me, and there's no way to have any impact, then he says, at least I should say something in my heart. What's that going to do for that person? The answer is nothing. But it'll do something for me. We need that chizik. And even if it's coming from a child or anyone else, and they're not saying anything philosophically accurate, just hearing that leitzonus, just being the, 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 the recipient of that mocking, the ridicule, that does sometimes chip away. We need to be machazik ourselves, and therefore, v'amartem, we should say, zevach pesachula Hashem. This is the relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, it's through Mesiras Nefesh. We should be zocha to be able to address that voice of the Russia within ourselves. This is the Mesiras Nefesh we push through, we should do it bedarche noam, and Amrit Hashem, we should be zocha to the real Geula, everyone together, the Tzadikim and the Rishoyim coming together, Mitzvah Shem this year, the Geula Shalema, Amen.